I'm Alex Berman, and you're listening to The Curious Wire. So this episode is going to be a little different than previous episodes where, well, let's just give the backstory quickly. Uh, many years ago, I discovered Alex Berman, I believe on LinkedIn, it might have been on YouTube, looking for better ways to cold email. Um, I'll let Alex introduce himself and why that would be a topic to discuss with you. Sure. I'm Alex Berman. I'm the author of Cold Email Manifesto. And like Moshe was saying, I've taught cold email to over 100,000 people on our YouTube channel uh, and a variety of industries. And that's what we want to get into today, how to cold email, what the topic should look like, and how to separate yourself out from the sea of spammers and all the noise in people's inboxes. Okay, so, and, and we're going to focus because I, I typically focus on the multifamily industry. So I guess it'd be really apropos for those on the supplier side. So I kind of give you an overview of, of what the industry is like. So what would your, if you were a supplier in the industry and now you want to generate business using cold email, what's your, what's your process? Where do you start? So you want to start at the very beginning. There are three things you need for a cold email campaign. You want to get your target market as uh, lined up as possible. Then you want to know what your offer is going to be and what your case study is that backs up your offer. And once you have all three of those things, then you can write your cold email campaign. So step one is figuring out who you're selling to, who's the actual target market. Luckily for us on this podcast, we're all selling to the same person, right? Multifamily real estate developers. So that's the target audience. Then you come up with your offer. The offer is... Well, can I interrupt you there for a second? So yeah, yeah. There, there's many layers of the industry. So depending on the product, so it could be you're selling to the VP of marketing, or it could be you're selling to the CEO, it could be you're selling to the VP of training or the VP of leasing. But so you have your... You have your industry of who you're selling to, but it, it can vary the actual person that you're selling to. Yeah, the way that a target is uh, outlined, it's in a lot of details. So you'd say, yes, I'm selling to the VP of marketing of multifamily uh, property companies that have over, you know, three properties in the United States, whatever, whatever that ends up being to that level of specificity. And you could do uh, by revenue, you could do it by a number of properties, you could do it by employees, um, or a- anything else hiring for a role, Whatever the uh, whatever the the thing is that you want to target. Okay, so so you have your your ideal target of who you're. Okay, and now the next step is to figure out what your offer is. What your offer is, and how to phrase it in a way that your uh, customers will want to respond. So, for instance, let's say you are selling a. I don't know. Give me give me an offer. Like, what's a SaaS that you've seen, or what's a software tool that you've seen for multifamily? stuff all over the place. So let's use an AI tool for data. Okay. So then you want to figure out what the offer is. So I built an AI tool uh, for data management that helps you do XYZ without uh, without whatever common complaint is. So I built an AI tool that helps you, uh, you know, better sort your uh, customer information, which will allow you to make more revenue per tenant uh, versus doing it all manually on Excel. Whatever you want to come up with, whatever that offer is, um, following that basic framework. Like I built a blah 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 that helps you do this without this. That's offer, and then your case study is your final piece uh, that backs up what you just said in your offer. So, for this example, if we're saying that we're going to save them money doing something, then we should have a case study where we implemented this and we saved them money. Uh, so recently, for 
you know, 2111, whatever street we implemented the software and saved them you know, X dollars, whatever that, whatever that is. Uh, the, the case study is usually around three things. It's usually around helping them make more money, uh, save more money or save time. And so you want to make sure that your, uh, your offer fits those things and your case study fits those things. And then once you have your target lined up, you have your case study lined up and you have your offer, then you can write your cold email campaign. Uh, typically, I use a cold email campaign that follows the three C's, which is three parts. Uh, the first part is compliment, then there's case study, and then call to action. Uh, compliment is usually something about uh, them, industry news, their property, something like that. So for you, since you host a podcast, the easiest thing to do would be like, hey, Moshe, just heard the podcast. I'm a huge fan of what you do. Then uh, case study. So I build a software tool that does X, Y, Z. Uh, then the case study. Recently, I helped this company do this and would love to do the same for you. Then call to action. Mind if I send over a few times for a quick call? Thanks. Once you have okay, that framework, then, then you uh, customize it, blast it out to, uh, to people, and you make it happen. Okay, so first, I want to get into the subject line, but when you said the compliment, it has to be genuine. So I am very active on LinkedIn, and I often get people messaging me saying, oh, I love what you're posting. Um, can we schedule a time? And it comes off very disingenuous because they never engage with the posts, right? So the podcast would be a good is a good angle. Then I would say that you have to be specific, like uh, the specific episode that you liked or the specific uh, thing about the episode versus just saying, I loved it. Um, because I think I, I see that all the time where people are like, oh, I love your content. And then like they never engage with it or they don't give anything specific and therefore it comes off very disingenuous. For, for smaller content creators, yes, where they're paying attention to that stuff. If you're reaching out to major creators, like if you wanted to reach out to LinkedIn posters that had over 100,000 followers, the odds that they'll even recognize your name are so low uh, that it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, but for most use cases, you want to find a compliment that is more scalable. Uh, unless you want to sit down and actually write each custom first line by hand, which a lot of people still do. It works very well. Um, AI tools kind of do it also, but aren't as good as a human. Um, but what I try to do is find a compliment that scales really well. So if you think about the industry, uh, you are selling to property managers. They have properties. Those properties usually have pictures of the property on their website somewhere. And those pictures look great. So your compliment could be as simple as, hey, came across uh, the photos you have of XYZ property. Really love your approach to interior design. And you can send that to 90% of property managers and have it connect. Now, I think that what the one a video that I saw you made a long time ago was you were talking about cold emailing for as a like to help agencies get more business. And I guess there was a website that had their portfolio, like it had examples of their work. And in the video, you demonstrated like, hey, you were going through and, and it was like, oh, I, I loved your campaign about this. So you were you were using that specificity. You were being genuine um, in giving that compliment. Now, because you were pulling it from a, a, a website, I guess that that helped you scale. It was, it was easy. It was uh, an easy target, but you're saying here, like, Hey, they could go to the site and, and compliment the pictures of the website or uh, something like that. But yes, that's consistent with what you were talking about years ago. Yeah. It's just the next, the next level of scaling it out because if you're writing cold emails by hand, you're going to be hard limited at, to some degree. It, it might be 20 emails a day that you're limited by. It might be 80 emails a day. 
but there's going to be some hard limit. If you are trying to target an entire industry, especially one where you're competing with a bunch of different people and you want to go wider, uh, then you want to use more, more generic compliments, but ones that also seem as personalized. Well, I, what, what I would say in this industry, like it, it's a big, but it's not a huge industry. You know, there's not millions of property management companies. There's tens, there's thousands, maybe tens of thousands, but also because of the nature of the business, like a lot of this information is actually public. Like it's not hard to know, like how many properties we have and how many units we have and who we are. A lot of that information is kind of public. And so therefore I think that it's a smaller pool. It, it becomes easier to be more specific, but I would say from my end of being cold emailed all the time, the thing that I would be looking for is, is one for the outbound to demonstrate an understanding of what we do that sticks out. Like if you demonstrate, like you have no idea what we do, you've kind of lost already. And so what are your, what's your thought on that? And then how do you layer that in that email? And I don't want to forget about the importance of subject line. It comes down to just understanding the industry. Um, you are lucky if you're selling to a niche category like what this podcast operates on. Most SaaSes sell to everyone. Like they want to sell to technology uh, companies. They want to sell to agencies. They want to sell to uh, real real estates. They want to sell to uh, operators like you guys. They want to sell to finance companies. And when you do that, then it becomes much harder to come up with custom compliments. It becomes much harder to write the case studies and harder to write uh, the entire email campaigns. But the more niche and more specific you get, the less you actually have to customize each email. Because for you, again, I can say, I uh, love the property and it would work as long as I'm selling to someone in real estate. But if I send that to you know, a data scientist, it's not going to make any sense. So we have, uh, we have a lot of opportunity to save time when we write the emails here. Um, another cool thing when it comes to personalization is you can now use AI to pull in uh, specific recommendations. So for instance, uh, I could write that whole email. And then I could say, P.S., have you tried the food at, you know, a specific restaurant? Heard it was really good. And it would be able to generate that uh, restaurant recommendation based on the city that you're in. And then you can have that as a custom variable. And that'll be generated for fractions of a penny using the uh, GPT API. So <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that we can do now. Um, the entire purpose of this, though, of the first line itself, of the personalization, is just to get them to read the value statement and to pay more attention to it, to separate you from millions of more deleting every day. Okay, and what about subject line? The subject line across industry is still a quick question. Can you give an example? So the subject line quick question. Hey, quick question. Your subject line could be quick question. Yeah, that's the top performing across industry. Um, when you get an email with quick question, it's it's not clear whether that's a salesperson, whether that's a vendor, whether that is one of your tenants, whether that's a business partner. So you're more likely to open uh, the subject line quick question than any other one. And that's why in our testing, uh, in our students testing, as, as far as uh, we've tested, quick question outperforms uh, everything the most consistent. So subject line testing isn't isn't necessary. Uh, the main thing that I would test is the the lead quality. So making sure that you're scraping very high quality leads and making sure that your data is on point. So like if I'm sending an email to you, Moshe, I would spell your name Moshe. I wouldn't spell it, you know, 
Moshe in all caps. I wouldn't have any typos in there. I definitely wouldn't address the email to like Tim and send it to you. Um, which it sounds like stupid, simple stuff, but this is, these are the basics that most people get wrong. So focusing on data quality and focusing on making sure that the list is actually accurate. Meaning if I'm selling to uh, management companies that my list only includes management companies, it doesn't include real estate agents or it doesn't include uh, any uh, other industries like that. Um, the cleaner you can get your data and the better your email is, right? Because as long as an email is getting to you with your name on it, there's a chance that you're going to buy. If it's getting to somebody else or the data's wrong or you're emailing somebody who would never buy, then the chance that they're going to buy uh, is zero. So 80% of your time should be spent on lead generation and the, maybe 10% should be spent on crafting the offer and then only the other 10 should be making sure that the emails effectively go out. Okay. Now, you because there's a limited amount of management companies you can go to, Actually, let me take a step back. On my end, when I get a cold email, and if it's something, like people say nobody likes cold email or nobody wants to be sold, but if it's a product or something that's of interest to me, then automatically I'm interested. So I feel that many fail in like, they kind of try to get your attention and then their call to action is to book a time and it's just like, I have no idea what you do. And so let's say they tried this approach with the offer and it didn't, but where do you run campaigns and what are your thoughts about like the objective of the cold email is so that person receiving it understands what you do and is aware of it. And like nine times out of 10, if there's interest there, they'll, they'll want to talk to you versus pushing. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, 100%. So the um, the main takeaway, uh, the easiest thing that I found is going for a yes or no on booking a call. Not every software uh, company or not every company wants to book calls with people. In fact, you know, I'm running uh, sales for this SaaS I founded called Galadon, and we don't want to book a bunch of demo calls. We just want people to sign up for the free trial of the application. And so in that case, our call to action on that email isn't mind if I send a few times, it's do you want to take a look? And then if they say yes, then we send some more info on the software and try to push them through uh, that way. So you don't always have to be booking demo calls, especially if you're, uh, if the value per customer is too low. But if you're charging two, three thousand a year or more per customer, then it's worth hopping on these demo calls because uh, you as the founder can do it or you can afford to pay people commissions on it and you can, you can make it happen that way. So you know, the value of, of customers. Yeah. yeah no, there's definitely a lot of high value and it makes sense to have that call you know, on the receiving end, people are not really don't want to jump on a call when they have no idea what you do, or if that's even the thing that you do. So I'm a big fan of like having a video link in the in the cold email that and very few people do this, like you could very quickly understand what they do. And then Oh, that's interesting. I want to know more. It, um, it works just like everything else, right? Like customized photos in the emails work as well. When I give advice like this, I try to uh, minimize failure points. Meaning if you send an email and that's all you sent, you just sent a plain text email. I know it's either working or it's not. But if you've sent a plain, uh, plain text email that also has a video, now which part failed? Is it the email? Is it something in the video? Is it something in the end of the video or the beginning of the video? Is it maybe the content of the video is good, but the lighting's wrong? You know, uh, every time you implement new parts of the funnel, uh, there, there are new points of failure. So what I like to do when we're starting cold email, you know, especially 
the people that are hearing this that haven't done cold email campaigns in the past is keep it as simple as possible. Just one plain text email with a simple yes or no call to action at the end of the day. And that way you can judge, you know, are they responding? Yes, then it's working. Are they responding? No, then it's not working. And then you can start changing things from there. Okay. And what are your thoughts about using a lead magnet in your, in your cold email? So like you said, you're not trying to book a call for this SaaS company. You want them to demo or, um, something that's not interactive. So what is your advice or experience with if you're sending out like, so let's say you're selling to property managers or regional managers and be like, here's, here's a guide, you know, 10 great ways you could advance your career or something like that. And so now that person engages with that. I'm, or, or here's a, you know, a sampling of our AI tool that you could play around with. What are your thoughts about using the uh, lead magnet in your cold email? You want to think about cold email as, uh, as if you were at a conference. This is the easiest way that I think about cold email. So you go to a conference, you don't know anybody there. And then you walk up to somebody and you have a couple seconds to pitch them and get them interested in your product or service. You're either going to do a couple things. You're going to either try to sell them right then on booking, uh, booking in your app, or you're going to try to book a meeting for a later date. Um, you wouldn't go up to somebody at a, at a conference, you know, ra- randomly, casually and say, Hey, sign up for my uh, free PDF. You wouldn't do that. Uh, you would go up and directly book calls. So my advice is if you're having a hard time converting people like that, then actually go to an industry conference and pitch a few people. You know, uh, last time we went to a conference, we were able to book 20-ish, maybe 25, 30 meetings per day by just going up, re- meeting random people and having the call to action of that conversation be, hey, are you around after this conference for a meeting? And then getting them to book directly on the Calendly. So think about what works in the real world and then translate that to the email world. Lead magnets are really fun for getting people to opt in. But, keep, but remember... The emails that you're using, this list you're using, is already qualified. You know these people are interested just by the fact that they're in the industry with the things that you need. You don't need them to uh, express interest more. Really interesting that you gave that as an example because I think that a lot of suppliers feel like there are big industry trade shows and conferences and they go and they're very supplier heavy. And... It's interesting. I, we, what's the mindset that when they go in there? So you're saying the mindset should be you want to create awareness and find the people who are interested in it. When I go is to that, trade shows, the goal is yeah. When I go to trade shows, the goal is to book meetings, um, and then also I'm not going to those kind of trade shows. So you don't want to go to a trade show where it's all people in your industry. So let's say I was selling you know marketing services. I wouldn't go to the marketers meetup. I would go to the real estate meetup. Or the uh, you know real estate conference, things like that, where the the target market is going to sell. So commercial real estate agents are going to conferences in the commercial real estate space to meet and buy from vendors, which is really cool. But yeah, vendors are also going there to target them. So think about what other conferences would they be going to in order to do deals, in order to sell, and then you will, um, and then it should be clear which conferences you want to go to. It's not the commercial real estate ones. It's going to be, you know, local city council ones, or, I mean, I'm sure you know better than me, you probably have better ideas. Well, what you're saying, there are definitely conferences which are very geared to all the tech suppliers being at, and there are other ones that there are much fewer at. And so even if it is, again, like you wouldn't want to go if you're to, uh, 
I don't know, the car dealership uh, conference and selling your property management software. Um, it just wouldn't make sense, even if there are owners of real estate that could be a customer that are going to the car dealership. If you could find that one, then yeah, you might be able to close the deal there. But um, what you're saying is when you create is that a way of differentiating yourself? Like when you're in a very noisy market and then you become the same as everybody, if you go to a place where others are not similar to you and I guess are a little unexpected for you to be there, that that's a better way to stand out? Yes, but I'm not saying go to the car dealership meetup. So I'm going, I'm saying go to where the commercial real estate agents go to make deals, which could be, you know, in your business, it could be like a private country club. It could be wherever, wherever they're going to actually do the backroom deals. That's where you should be as the vendor making these, uh, making these meetings happen. I don't know Excellent. enough about the uh, industry to know. Like, let's say I'm right, trying right, to build right. a commercial real estate. You know, I'm trying to put a deal together in Orlando. I'm not going to go to the commercial real estate conference. I know that for a fact. <laughs> but wherever I do go, that's where you should go as a SaaS vendor. Well, um, any other thoughts, um, good stories? that you want to share your trial successes, failures, things that have worked, didn't work, any aha moments for you? Sure. Uh, the thing we shared earlier about cold email, just being an extension of reality uh, is, is huge. And then stepping up your, uh, your value propositions. So most people, when they send cold emails, they're so, uh, they're so scared to make big promises, you know, but so, so let's say you're talking to a CRM company and you ask them, Hey, how can this make my company more money? They won't just sit there and be like, Oh, you know, typically people that implement this make a thousand dollars per, uh, more per customer. They won't say those hard numbers. So if you are the one person in the industry willing to put an ROI claim uh, on your software, you're going to do much better than everybody else. Uh, everyone else is so scared of almost everything, even just sending cold emails. So if you act with a little bit of confidence and if you sit behind your product as your product is the best product, then you're going to outshine everybody and there is no competition. Okay, so what's, what's the most successful cold email you've ever sent? <laughs> uh, or what was so, the result of it? Yeah, yeah. So we had one for a, uh, it was a ghost writing client. Um, there was a, a ghost writing business that we were working on that wanted to launch a documentary service. And so they wanted to take these people that were paying for books and uh, identify them and then sell them on these hundred to $200,000 movies that we were selling. So we found one of their competitors that every time the author wrote a book with their, uh, with their service, they interviewed them on a podcast. They wouldn't identify their clients, but all of their clients were on this podcast. So we were able to scrape that list uh, and then send an email to those people. We ended up only sending, there were like 40 people on the podcast. And of those 40, 14 of them expressed interest in these $100,000 documentaries. So that was $1.4 million in leads off of 40 emails. Wait, so, so your client was a ghostwriter for books. And then there was Our a client was, uh, they had a new, yeah, they had a new service that was documentary film production. Okay, and you felt that your ideal customer would be people who had written a book with a ghostwriter to now make these documentaries. So you figured out the competitor was having this podcast with all their clients. And so you took that list of guests and you reached out to them to generate business for this documentary. Yeah, service. and that come, that's all of uh, every everything about cold email in one, right? You have people that are expressing interest in a very similar service to yours. 
And then we're reaching out with a service that's a no-brainer for them to accept. All people, all people that are writing books with ghostwriters are in that space. I figured, you're writing a book? You want a documentary too? Why not? The more the better and you have enough money to pay 40, 50 grand for a book. Why wouldn't you pay 100K for a documentary? I just heard a great story similar, but not with Colby Mill. Uh, Jesse Bitzler, I think his name is. Um, he's married to Sarah Blakely from... Uh, she started Sphinx. So he created this business called NetJets, I think, which was like a timeshare for private jets. And he went to this very big conference with, I don't even know what the conference was, but very wealthy people were there. And the first day he was like paying attention to what everybody did. And there was one stand that had coffee and muffins. And the next day he went early and he bought all the muffins. So people were lining up and they get the coffee and they're like, sorry, we're all out of muffins. And then he would go up and they'd be like, hey, I got a muffin for you. And like, it would start this conversation. But, and then again, these were people who were very wealthy. And, and then he would talk about the, like the net jets and like he started landing clients that way. Um, love that story. Okay. We, one more before we, we, we wrap up here. Another example, if you could. Sure. Um, so we were looking for uh, feedback recently. Uh, we were looking for enterprise clients for our SaaS company. Uh, we just sold this one, Taplio. Uh, and we needed more enterprise logos for the website. So we first tried selling directly. I was trying to email these people and get them to sign up directly to try to get the logos. And it was this crazy enterprise sales process to try to make it happen. So instead, what I realized is we could find LinkedIn influencers that had over 100,000 uh, followers and were members of these companies. And so I did that. And I offered those guys free accounts at our uh, our company. So I sent this cold email out. I must have sent 200 emails. And the people that got back were people from Apple, McKinsey, Tesla, uh, Prezi. Um, all these people got back and signed up for the free accounts of our software. And then we were able to put all of these corporate logos up on our on our website. So instead of spending six months to do this whole enterprise process by going through the back channel, now we have the corporate logos on. And now we have corporate approval, meaning next time, if we want to go out there and sell the Tesla account, we already have somebody from Tesla in there. And that was very good. Um, that company sold for that, that company sold within three months of launch, which was super cool. So you use cold email to offer a service to people at large companies. So then you could use their logo because they're using your service to gain credibility, which you then used in further cold email, which accelerated your enterprise sales process because you were showing how these large companies were using you or using that service and that and then that did really well okay cool well alex this has been a lot of fun um i hope others i hope people will listen to this and and we'll take action on it and um thank you great thanks for having me Melissa.